a brand new episode of RC and DC. Because let me tell you something. When a guy wins a sports Emmy, there is no reason for his initials <laughs> to go second. In our time away, my boy Ryan Clark won a sports Emmy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. 2023 Sports Emmy winner, Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, my friend, I am so proud of you. My man. How did, what are the emotions when that happens? You're up there. When, when, when you got nominated, you weren't sure that you had an opportunity to win. How does it feel to be the winner? Yeah, I think, I think it's, um, it's, one, I'm extremely grateful. I think, um, you know, to know how blessed I am to get this opportunity in my second career uh, has really been amazing. But more than anything, bro, you just think about all of the stuff that people have sacrificed, the way people have worked to give me an opportunity to do it, and how much fun I had this year, whether it's doing this show, NFL Live, Get Up, First Take, you know, the pivot and the way that that's been able to elevate me. So it's just, it was a really, really cool moment, man, and extremely gratifying. Uh, just the blessings, man, and the grace of God. Hey, my boy, you got that purple suit on. I mean, you, Tiger, out. you looking good up there, too. My boy went up there in that night. DC, how about this, bro? Bro, inside the, inside the coat is the logo from the middle of the field. It's the eye of the tiger inside the, uh, the jacket. Come I should have took a picture of it, bro. It it's the eye of the tiger inside the jacket. Yeah, man, it's like, Yo, it's just, it's, DC, when it's you get on the details. It's, hey, you got to coordinate, DC. You got to coordinate, bro. <laughs> and I was coordinated. <laughs> yeah. You know, we like to joke around, but I don't want to make a joke about this. This is a massive accomplishment. And at, we, all of us, the entire team are so proud of you for what you did. And I think in your thank you speech, the one thing that really stood out to me the most, if I can remember correctly when you said, so here I am, a Tiger, that just won an award that didn't know he wanted until he got nominated. You don't know what you want and what you aspire to get until you have an opportunity to get it. And we are so proud of you, Ryan, for what you have done. And honestly, man, it is a massive accomplishment in a life full of accomplishments. Guys, coming up on the Thank show you, today on RC and DC, we are going to talk about the Ultimate Fighter, which debuts tonight as Team McGregor takes on Team Chandler. Then we will list our top five tough alumni. But... And as always, we got to tap in or we got to tap out. But first, Ryan, tonight, Ultimate Fighter debuts, linear television, yep. ESPN, because it's Conor McGregor. The big network is airing the Ultimate Fighter. What are you expecting from this season? Hey, I ain't even going to lie, DC. I tried to capitalize on it a little bit, and I posted a picture of me <laughs> and Conor on my story last night just to see if my dog would, re would repost it. He ain't repost it, but I'm still in his DMs right now, though, so if he goes to check his request, he might get it. <laughs> I think it's, one, it says how big Conor is. It says what sort of mega star Conor McGregor has become. You know, he has his second documentary out on Netflix right now. And not that the ultimate fighter is ever an afterthought, but it is usually one of those things or series that the true hardcore garage UFC fan will watch. Someone that just loves the sport. Someone that just loves 
mixed martial arts. And I think this is going to bring everybody in to see just how riveting the ultimate fighter can be, but also how exciting and how enthralled you can get and wrapped up in some of these fighters as you start to root for them and know their story. So I'm extremely excited to see it start. And you know, our boy Michael Chandler is on there as well. And I think this is going to elevate him because you know how many inspiring things that Michael Chandler can say throughout an entire season of The Ultimate Fighter? We're going to have a book of Michael Chandler Ted Lasso sayings by the time it's over. <laughs> ARC, you said it's the hardcore that watches The Ultimate Fighter. You're talking about yourself because sometimes you'd be like, yo, did you watch Tough? And I'm like, bro, no, I didn't watch Tough. But here's the question. The sports Emmy winner Ryan Clark watched Tough. Dude, I'm watching The Ultimate Fighter on ESPN in primetime. Guys, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And I think it speaks to the star power of Conor McGregor as Ryan spoke to. But it also gives people the opportunity to understand that tough is still viable. Because when mm. we list these alumni later in the show, you're going to list a bunch of people that became champions. The Ultimate Fighter produces yeah. champions. And just like Dana White Contender Series now has a champion in Jamal Hill – and Sean O'Malley, who's fighting for a championship, all these little uh, prospect-based shows give people an opportunity yeah. to show who they are to start and then ultimately who they become. We have seen so many athletes come off the Ultimate Fighter and hold UFC championship gold. This is an opportunity for more eyes to be on these athletes as they start their journey with one of the biggest personalities in the sport. But when you talk about Michael Chandler and his motivational ability – Michael Chandler got you walking through walls after a day. <laughs> spending a day with Michael Chandler, you're trying to walk through a wall. Imagine what he's going to have these kids Straight doing up. after spending six weeks with him. Hey, bro, spending six weeks with Michael Chandler, I'm going to come out with an eight-pack, bro. I'm going to be jumping boxes, <laughs> throwing med balls. You already know how MC yeah, gets dude. down. But, D.C., Every time we watch these shows, and, and you've experienced it, every time you watch the shows, you can see the tension begin to build between the coaches. And these are alpha males or females normally coaching these teams, people that don't take a lot of crap, people that will not be pushed around. But when you're around someone that long, the trash talk gets a little deep. The trash talk gets a little under your skin and, and you want to go to blows right then and there. What is it like to spend this much time with someone you look to be facing inside the octagon eventually later on down the line? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's different, right? But, he, but you see that it was always me jawing, right? That's the, that's the thing. I am the agitator. Steve a, was a quiet guy. So he made it kind of easy on me because I was constantly trying to agitate him. But Stipe Miocic was easy. Michael Chandler will be on in the Stipe Miocic role. Look at how thin I was, Ryan. Do you see how thin I was on the Ultimate Fighter? To was say I thin? thought I was fat. Was that I actually thought I was fat then. This, I was pretty thin. I had, You know what's crazy? I had just fought at 205 like three weeks before I started filming. I looked pretty good at well, around you know 235. What, too, DC. DC, you know what happens? Life is about perspective. So the DC <laughs> that is looking at that DC is about two, we're going to say 55, just because I'm your boy. No, right dude, now. I so wish I was 55. Oh, I know. I'm trying to help you out in front of the public. I'm being a good friend. 
Like, this is what good friends do. Good <laughs> friends don't tell their other hey, friends real weight. Not publicly, but yeah, <laughs> DC, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, you said you were the agitator. You were the guy that's yes. talking crap. What sort of gamesmanship goes on as these coaches are on the ultimate fighter, not only as it pertains to their fighters facing one another in the octagon as they're going through elimination, but as it leads up to the fight of the coaches as well. You know, you want to win everything, RC. Like, that was always my thing. I wanted to win everything. So when Stipe and I were on the ultimate fighter, every time we won a fight, I felt like I got one over on him. Every time we talked trash to each other, I got one over on him. The coach's challenge, I was trying to win everything. And by the end of it, I could sense that his perception of me had changed. He didn't like me as much. I had annoyed him to the point that he wanted to just fight me. And anytime you can draw some sort of emotion from a guy, that's good for you. Because I have fought on the side of the guy that is not emotional. And I have fought as the emotional guy. And I'm telling you right now, you do not want to be emotional when you go into the octagon. When you're emotional and when... A guy like Conor McGregor can make you emotional and you can't compartmentalize it. You do what Jose Aldo did and you get knocked out in 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. You make a mistake. Jose Aldo never did that. He never just rushed in. But he was so agitated by McGregor that he rushed in. McGregor got him. Habib Nurmagomedov, on the other hand, was able to put it in a box until the fight was over. And then he exploded. He was. So it allowed for him to still fight his fight. How does Michael Chandler handle... Conor McGregor just constantly digging at him for six weeks and still not allow, make it allow for him to do something that is detrimental to him whenever he walks into the octagon. Because we have seen a couple short clips, Ryan, and Conor told him, we're going to fight at 170. And Mike was like, sure, okay, we're going to fight at 185. Right. And to me, I'm looking at it like, right. Mike, why are you just agreeing to everything? Why are you just allowing right. this man to make the rules? So Mike's going to have to find a way. Mike's going to have to find a way to take some of that control back or Conor's going to be dictating to him the entirety of the season. I think that's what it's – but that's what's so interesting about it, DC, is that even though we see you guys in press conferences or now – with so many different platforms and medias, you can sort of see who these people are. Nothing is like real life, DC. Like, think about it. Even when you had a, a girlfriend, you ain't really know her until y'all moved in together. The Ultimate Fighter series yeah. is like moving in with your opponent. And so you really get to know those people. You really get to know those fighters. And so does the outside world. But the one thing you mentioned early on in the show is the type of fighters and the type of champions that have come from the Ultimate Fighter. Let's check out this list of accolades that we have from guys in the Ultimate Fighters. 35 UFC title contenders, 11 UFC champions, 6 UFC Hall of Famers, and that only includes the contestants. That's not even the former coaches on the list, DC. Like That is absolutely phenomenal when you think of these guys who were once trying to live UFC dreams in the ultimate fighter house that become guys that have straps and ultimately some become Hall of Famers in the UFC as well. Yeah, it's tremendous. The ultimate fighter has been a massive vehicle for the UFC to produce athletes that can and will challenge for championships and have become champions. So we thought, let's list our tough alumni. So I'm going to start first, Ryan. At number five for me, it's crazy because 
it tells you how I feel about the importance of the fighters. Kamaru Usman, he won the Ultimate Fighter Season 21, and he was a former welterweight champion. But look at the dominance that Usman showed over the course of his championship run. So for me to have him at five speaks to the significance and the impact that the fighters I have listed above him have had in mixed martial arts at number four. I'm going with Rose Namajunas. Rose Namajunas is a two-time strawweight champion of the world. She is a woman that was a runner-up on the ultimate fighter, lost to Carla Esparza, but then was able to come back and win the championship over Joanna Young-Jacek, who was the greatest strawweight champion of the world, and then beat Zhang Weili, who none of us thought anyone could beat Zhang Weili. So at number four, I have Rose Namajunas. At number three, I have Rashad Evans. Rashad Evans was a guy that Ooh. was small on the Ultimate Fighter. He won the Ultimate Fighter and became a light heavyweight champion, but he only did the Ultimate Fighter at heavyweight because it was the only way for him to get on the show. He did the Ultimate Fighter at heavyweight, won the Ultimate Fighter at heavyweight, and then became a UFC Hall of Famer. At number two, I got Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping was an mm. agitator on the Ultimate Fighter. He was a guy that annoyed everyone. He was a guy that was also on the receiving end of some horrible, horrible things over the course of his career. Fighting guys that were uh, on the testosterone, getting his eye messed up. And the moment USADA came into play, Michael Bisping became a world champion. Michael Bisping is now also a UFC Hall of Famer. Michael Bisping is number two. And number one for me, Forrest Griffin. Bro, without Forrest Griffin, mm. we aren't here. Because if him and Stefan Bonner does not have that classic that they had inside of the Hard Rock Arena, we are not here today at the Ultimate Fighter 1 on Spike TV with Chuck and Tito as the coaches. If those guys don't put on that instant classic, the UFC doesn't become what the UFC is today. So for that reason only, I have Forrest Griffin as number one. He was also a former light heavyweight champion and a Hall of Famer. So when you look at that list, RC, all these straps, all these accolades, Great all list. these guys started as just contestants on the Ultimate Fighter inside that house. Well, DC, I'm, I'm going to give you the, the fan, the outside look. At number five, I go with yes. Bisping. Michael Bisping was a guy to me that was everything the ultimate fighter should be. He didn't have the early success of becoming the champion right away. He continued to fight through that adversity, yep. fight through the ups and downs, and became a champion. And we have to think about this. There are very few men that can say they fought against both Anderson Silva and George St. Pierre. And Michael Bisping was able to yeah. go toe-to-toe -to -toe with both of those men who are two of the greatest to ever do it. At number four, I'm going to go with Kamaru Uzman. His reign at champion at welterweight, I think, was one of the best we'll ever see in any weight class. I also believe he's a future Hall of Famer and what he was able to accomplish and still be fighting, still be relevant and a contender is huge. At number three, I'm saying Nate Diaz. And it's not about... This is kind of a DC list thing. It's not about who Nathan Diaz became as a champion. It's who he is as a star. Nathan Diaz has yep. made different rules in the UFC. We've made new belts for this guy. He started headlining pay-per-views without a belt being on the line, without him even being in contention. And I think that just spoke to the star and the dude he was both in the house and who he became as a fighter. Number two, Forrest Griffith. I agree with you, DC. Without that fight with Stefan Bonner, we don't have the UFC that we have today. It was an absolute war. He won. He goes on to be the light heavyweight champion at one point. And I think he is 
still a huge part of what the UFC is. And I just think for me, Stefan Bonner, uh, he's passed now. He's gone on home. But he was a part of that great fight with Forrest Griffin that put the UFC on the map. And I just think when you lose those fights and those sort of fights, it takes a little bit out of you. But to see him go on, continue to fight, continue to fight the way that he did, and now that he's gone and passed, I think there is, as it is with Forrest Griffin, there is no UFC if we don't talk about Stefan Bonner. Yeah, you know, and that's that's kind of like what the list, that's a great list. And having those guys at one and two, no matter what the order is, could always be do yeah. doing the list justice because they are the reason. Guys, we had some honorable mentions. And I think, again, this is why the Ultimate Fighter has been so good. Look at Diego Sanchez. Look at Matt Serra, who upset George St. Pierre. Look at Tony Ferguson, who became an interim champion, won Tough 13. TJ Dillashaw won it the next year and became the Bantamweight champion of the world. Robert Whitaker won the Ultimate Fighter Smashes. Juliana Pena beat the unbeatable in Amanda Nunes. Carla Esparza, she won over Rose Namajunas. And Brandon Moreno, who won the Ultimate Fighter 24, is the champion today. Guys, this is amazing to think Bro, that's crazy. what this show <laughs> that's has been crazy. to the UFC. Right? Isn't that nuts? <laughs> that's, but DC, it, it also tells you about the selection process, I think, is number one. Yep. And secondly, the way finding and making your way through that house or through that season hardens and prepares you for the UFC. Mm -hmm. It's it's almost yeah. it's almost the ultimate training camp for the big show for the regular season. And if you can get through those with all the adversity with all the distractions and be good enough to lead that house as a champion, it gives you an opportunity to compete at an extremely high level in the UFC. You know, RC, and that's the that's the common factor. All champions are finalists. Every one of these people we lift, mm -hmm. listed made it to the finals, and they all went on to have supreme, supreme careers because there are a lot of contestants that were on The Ultimate Fighter that didn't do as well. But when you can navigate that and you can win it or make it to the finals, it speaks to who you are. So for all the people in the world that talk about the ultimate fighters outdated or the ultimate fighter isn't as relevant, just look at the list and look at those honorable mentions mm -hmm. of the people that have worn UFC gold. Take note of what you're watching starting tonight because there may be a future champion walk in the house or walk in the halls of the UFC apex over the course of the season. But that wasn't it, right? The ultimate fighter starts tonight. But as we look to the next quarter of the fight schedule, Dana White had some fight announcements, and those fight announcements has everybody up in the roar. Let's take a listen to the boss. Since Jorge Masvidal retired, the BMF title is back up for grabs. The main event will be five rounds between the number two and number three lightweights in the world. Former champion Dustin Poirier takes on another former champion, Justin Gaethje for the vacant BMF title between two of the baddest dudes in the game. Ladies and gentlemen, this card is awesome. The co-main event will feature two of the best knockout artists in the world. Former UFC light heavyweight champion Jan Blahovich takes on former middleweight champion Alex Pereira in his first fight at light heavyweight. Plus, Tony Ferguson versus Bobby Green. Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Holland, and Paulo Costa is back, and he takes on contender series standout 
Ikram Alaskarov. The prelims are going to be on ABC, and some of the other big fights include Derek Lewis versus Marcos Rogerio de Lima, and Steven Thompson takes on Michelle Pereira. RC. Hands listen. will be thrown. I'm fired up. Bro, Salt Lake City. RC, Salt Lake City. My brother, I know that you. it's hard for you to make fights in season. But this should seem to be in the July, right as you guys are entering training camp. This might be one that you have to make, my guy. Because I remember watching you when Justin Gaethje fought in London. How you were like, I look back at you a couple times, you're like, yo, this dude's crazy. And then we all know what type of beast Dustin Bro. Poirier is. These guys are fighting for the BMF title. It Jorge Masvidal retired, so the title's back on the line, mm -hmm. as Dana said. And there are no two better fighters who personify BMF than Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. How exciting was it for you to see that as the main event, but also see this card as a whole? DC, first off, Gaethje Poirier 2 had to happen. But I, this is what I don't want people to miss. This is happening because both Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier are better fighters now than they were the first time they met. They're smarter, they're craftier, they're more skilled. Both even seem to be tougher individuals. I'm so excited about this fight. When you think about these two men, their fights with Michael Chandler were both two of the most explosive fights we've seen in the UFC in recent history. They both took damage, but they dealt and gave out more damage in that fight. And now fighting one another again, with both men understanding that this is it, DC. It's, this is not, don't let the BMF belt fool you. Yeah, like they want to be the baddest dude in there, but they want to be the champion. And winning this fight puts you right back in that conversation. I think it seats you right at the throne of the king to get the next shot. When you look at this fight though, DC, how can we expect it to be any different than the first fight was, which when we saw Dustin Poirier dominate Justin Gaethje? You know, you know, RC, I, the first time, the, the moment it came out, the, the title fight for between these two with the opportunity to gain a championship to fight Islam Makachev. I got him on the phone, RC. I said, Islam, I got to interview you. I need to know what he thinks, first, of the BMF title, and second, uh, could you imagine? I got to know what he thinks about the BMF title, and second, like, what he feels about them possibly earning the championship so much fight. Trash. The way... <laughs> Look, he's going to say some crazy stuff, so much man. Trash. I know he will, but, dog, I, I got to know what he feels about it because I got to know that this fight is for more than just a BMF title, as you said. But it's only going to be for more if Charles Oliveira can beat Benil Daryush. Because if Benil Daryush wins, I think Benil Daryush will get the next title fight. But if Charles Oliveira wins and, and whoever wins this one could potentially put themselves on the fast track to fight Islam Mahachev in Abu Dhabi. Dude, massive fight. But I don't know how Justin Gaethje is better today. We saw that in London. Before, he was mm -hmm. all action without much yeah. concern for what was coming back in his direction. Today, he's mm -hmm. much better at navigating the dangers within a fight. And I believe that that 
will allow for him to be much more competitive than he was in the last fight. Because while the last fight was fun, Dustin Poirier won that fight going away and ultimately finished him. I believe that today Justin Gaethje's better, he's as durable, and we know that Dustin Poirier is better today than he was before. This fight is going to be nuts, man. And I, I love the BMF title. I also wonder who's going to hand out the BMF title. Because last time The Rock was in there, he brought the Daniel, BMF title Daniel to Cormier the belt. Daniel need to, to hand it ring. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> Henry Cejudo, Henry Cejudo don't have great ideas. Henry Cejudo don't have great ideas much. But he had one. Mike Tyson, bro. Tyson should hand out Ooh. the BMF title. That would be great if Mike walked in and handed the belt off. Well, I think Mike handing out the BMF belt gives the belt so much more validity when that's yeah. the dude that's holding it. When Mike Tyson's holding it, you dang near don't want to take it from him. You know what I mean? I'm going to be like, hey, Mike, is, is it okay? Is it okay if Let you put this belt on you, me? Mike. <laughs> like, does that, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, can I get it? Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. DC, so let's say Dustin Poirier does win the BMF belt. 
Do you think the BMF belt should be something that's defended regularly or like once you win it, are you just the baddest man standing and you get to keep it until you retire because you didn't really lose to a dude that was better than you. He just may have been more skilled. You know, that, that, that's that's the worry, right? That's the worry about the finish. So here's here's the problem. Like, this is the question for me in the BMF title and defending the BMF title. You want to always get to a championship fight. So if you win the BMF belt, then you lose your next fight. Obviously, it would say that that guy is better than you. So it's like, do you just not fight for the belt anymore and just defend the BMF title against other bad dudes? It's, I, I think you got to navigate that. Or it's just kind of a one-time thing, I, as it was from Masvidal Diaz. But I think those guys still have championship aspirations. So Dustin Poirier, if he wins, or Justin Gaethje for that matter, they will take that BMF title and use it as a springboard into a championship fight against Islam Mahachev or whoever is holding the lightweight championship at the time. These guys have both had two opportunities to be lightweight champion. Both were interim champions. Both have had opportunities to be the champ and both lost. So these guys have to figure out what they want going down the line. But yeah, I would like to see the BMF title defended. <laughs> DC, man, it made me think about something. Just like when you're just a bad dude, how it just seems that other bad dudes follow you. Uh, Israel Adesanya was going through the airport. He's oh at check-in, uh, security check, and Alex Peeda is right behind him in the line. And he just always <laughs> looks the same. Like, he always is looking through you. But not only is he on Israel Adesanya's tail, he's about to be on every light heavyweight's tail as he moves up and he faces former oh champion Jan Bohovitz. When you look at that fight, DC, how do you feel about Alex moving up? And also, is it how do you see the matchup with Jan being the first matchup for Alex Paeda? When if you look back to Izzy's fight with him, which Izzy's a much smaller yeah. man. It was high consistency of takedowns, especially in the championship rounds, and he sort of just used his size to lay on it. But Izzy also was light that fight. I think Adesanya weighed like 195 whenever he fought yeah. against uh, Jan Bohovic, right? So it took a little bit of time for him to uh, get it going. But he thinks that Jan Bohovic is going to try to take him down and beat him up there because... Izzy got taken down by Jan Bohovic. But, but here's my thought on that. First off, where was Israel Adesanya and Alexander Volkanovsky going? Because you could see Volk in that, that picture too. Where were they going? Like those guys are not just <laughs> they were training going to hang together. Out with they're Chris Hemsworth. Out. Like they're actually, they, that's where they, they were, were hanging going. out with Chris Hemsworth. You didn't see the picture? Chris Hemsworth posted it. It was, he said, it's two of the baddest men in the world and a guy that plays dress up. Because obviously Chris Hemsworth is four <laughs> on the, the Marvel yeah. series. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I guess they were all going to hang out with Chris Hemsworth. I don't know. <laughs> Dog, Edisonia has really taken that win over Pereira and really sprung board himself into a lot of big things. Because I saw him with Burt Kreischer. He's, he's with freaking Chris Hemsworth. He's with everybody. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's like, uh, he's literally hey, on a rock star tour. Izzy ain't tripping on fighting no more, bro. This was, that was Izzy's holy grail. He needed to get that win. And now that he has that win, it's, it's, you know what it's like, man? 
It's like you went to an all-you-can-eat hot dog contest with chili, and you finally make it to the porta potty. Izzy's light, bro. Izzy's just living <laughs> life. Like, he's just chilling. Dog, <laughs> he's also waiting to see what happens next in this division. But, like, I'm like, man, I don't see Izzy everywhere, bro. I see Izzy dancing. <laughs> So Izzy danced in one country one day. He on another one. I posted an Instagram post of my kids the other day. Izzy in the comments. I'm like, this dude Edisanya is everywhere, dog. He just living life, man. He got that win. And and RC, he ain't got to run it back. So he living comfortable. He's like, I ain't got to see this dude again. He up ahead of light heavyweight. <laughs> I ain't got to run Bro, it back. Bro, we can be friends. So it's good everything. We can go shoot arrows <laughs> together. Whatever you want to do. But I do. I do. I am very interested in this fight. Um, you know, the UFC yeah. matchmakers do a tremendous job of making fights that not only pique our interest, but that they feel like can give us action, can give you excitement. But this is really going to test uh, Alex Pedro when you think about the way that Jan is going to approach this fight. Um, also, yep. the last time we saw him, he was heavy with leg kicks. And so I'm interested in seeing the strategical matchup and how their, their skill sets match. But also, too, what does Jan do the first time he tastes Alexis' power, which he's never seen before uh, with him moving up? And we've never seen Alex at a heavier weight, which he'll be able to be with not having to cut to 185. We have seen Adesanya hurt Pereira. Um, in two fights, he can't get hit by Jan Bohovic. Yep. Bohovic hits so hard, Ooh, bro. Okay. I have seen Bohovic mm -hmm. almost decapitate guys. Luke Rockhold, uh, Dominic Reyes. The way that he was knocking guys out for a while was very scary. But I'm going to tell you one fight on this fight card, Ryan, that really excites me. And this one speaks to the expectation of the UFC for this athlete. And it's Costa versus Alaskarov. Alaskarov just made his debut, Ryan. He literally mm -hmm. debuted against Phil Hawes in North Carolina, and he demolished Phil Hawes in the first round, I believe, he beat him. He's fighting against Paulo Costa now, who has fought for the championship and who is one of the top five guys in the world who, who also can be a bit odd. Like, he is from the Henry Cejudo yeah. school of personality, right? He'll say some crazy stuff, <laughs> like he drank wine the night before a fight and all kind of crazy stuff yeah, while he's making yeah, his excuses. Yeah. But he's a beast, right? But now he's fighting Alaskarov. Like, how surprising is it from an outside perspective to see this guy make his debut? You remember Alaskarov was a guy that Hamza Chimaev yep. said was his toughest fight in his career to this point. He's a guy that mm -hmm. really did wipe out Phil Hawes, who has been one of the better fighters at middleweight. And at times, yep. looks like he can be a world contender. How, how interesting is it that they put this kid in there with Costa who's ranked number five in the world in only a second UFC appearance. Doesn't it, doesn't it seem, though, that some of the things that Paulo does away from the octagon and some of the ways that he behaves makes him one of the <laughs> least respected top five fighters in any weight class? And I think when you look at what we saw in that fight against Hawes, we, we, we saw the talent, we saw that he could compete, we saw that he could deliver knockout blows. And so why not put him in there with Paulo Costa? Because you're at least going to have an explosive fight. You're at least going to have two guys that come out and slug. And you hope that 
if Costa does lose, you've now created a new contender and a new fighter to put in the pipeline to face Israel Adesanya when the top top five, top six has been um, kind of just this continual cycle of the same names and you now add Duplessis to that as well. Yeah, and you get you get a guy in, in Alaskarov who can compete and also has he has a real weird style for a lot of those guys in the top five because he's a grappler. And you know, if you watch like the heavyweights, that one dude, uh, uh, Jailton Almeida, just submitting everybody because mm -hmm. nobody can wrestle yeah. in those weights. Nobody's so it's like doing it it's a very interesting prospect in that division. But RC, we also got a bit of a fight between Aljamain and Dana White because they mm -hmm. announced that. O'Malley was fighting Aljamain Sterling in Boston, which is a great fight town. Mm -hmm. I, I I fought there, and one of the only places that I actually got cheered, uh, which was very odd. But it's a great fight town. But Aljamain said, "I'm not. I don't know if I'm ready to fight yet." So then he gets into this very public dispute with Dana White, and then he kind of recants a little bit and says how thankful he is to the organization. He rethought it and everything, and now it seems, at least on the surface. Like, these two guys are scheduled to fight. What do you make of that matchup? Because for me, it could be very competitive or it could be very one-sided in terms yeah. of the fighting style. Yeah. We've never had to see O'Malley. We've never had to see O'Malley grapple yet. I hear stories well, that he's really good, but I've never seen him have to use it. Yeah, well, what we do know is there won't be – a basketball championship one in Boston. So at least somebody can get a chip there when Sean O'Malley and Aljermaine Sterling uh, square off. I think when you look at this fight, you're excited about it because it's Sean O'Malley getting another test. You know, other than what we got to see when we saw him fight Piotr Jan, we haven't seen Sean O'Malley truly tested in that way. He gets the loss against Chito Vera, but, you know, it's the leg kick and he loses control of his leg. And so we didn't really get to see him in a war in that sort of pressure other than that one time, which I thought he showed very well against Piotr Jan, the, the former champion. Aljamain Sterling can become a backpack. If he does that, if he continually takes down... Um, Sean O'Malley, if he continues to make this a grappling match, Sean O'Malley can't win no matter how great of a grappler they're saying he is in these invisible sessions that we cannot see. We haven't seen him under that sort of pressure, especially not under the brightest lights, which he will be in and facing the champion, Aljermaine Sterling. And I expect to see something like we saw Marab in his last fight, what I think it was 48 or 49 takedown attempts. I think we see the same sort of thing from Aljermaine Jermaine Sterling that if I'm not taking you down, Sean O'Malley, I'm going to continuously make you defend them until I do get the takedown. And if it's that sort of fight, I see that being a very difficult one for Sean O'Malley and probably something that the fans don't want to see, but it's about winning and advancing to the next defense, and that's what Aljermaine Sterling has to do. Well, Aljamain Sterling is littered across the UFC record books. He has more wins than anyone, 14. He's got the longest win streak in the UFC Bantamweight history at nine. Like, he has done everything right in his run up to a championship. He is just a guy that doesn't seem to be able to get on the same page with upper management. But 
I feel like this fight is about Aljo, but it's about Sean O'Malley. Because Sean O'Malley now, Ryan, is on the cusp. And most young fighters, when they are brash, when they are confident, when they draw the eyes like O'Malley has drawn in such a short period of time, there comes a time where you got to answer. And we felt like we saw a bit of that in the Piotr Jan fight where you had to get through some tough moments. Um, But this is his Conor McGregor moment. This is his Jose Aldo moment. This is his moment where you will learn whether he's that guy or he's another guy. Because if he goes out there and he does to Aljamain Sterling, to so many people what he's done, then you'll go, wow, this kid has star potential through the roof. But if he does get taken down over and over, if he does get stalled out, if he does get beat, or if he, hey, we saw Aljamain Sterling just submit Corey Sanhagen like he wasn't even supposed to belong in there with him. That would be worst case scenario. But this is his moment, RC. This is the moment where he has to really man up. And if he does, his star power will go through the roof. But I'm telling you, if Aljamain Sterling approached Henry Cejudo in the way that he did, an Olympic champion, and trying to take him down over and over, that is the approach I expect him to take in this fight against Sean O'Malley. Yeah, I mean, you you have to, though, right? When you look at what Sean O'Malley has done to basically everyone in the striking battle, that's not what Aljamain Sterling wants to do. He saw throughout the fight that he could at least manage, if not win the exchanges with Henry Cejudo. It will not be that same thing when it comes to Sean O'Malley. And it's about winning, DC. And you've said this over and over again. When you got in there with the Rumble Johnsons, if you got in there with the Derek Lewises and you understood what you were facing on the feet, then you would use the thing or you would use the skill that would allow you to win. And for Aljamain Sterling, that has been his wrestling, that has been his grappling, and I expect it to be the same thing in this fight. Absolutely. Ryan, Aljamain Sterling on many occasions have made people tap out. Now it's time yeah. for us to either tap out or tap in or tap in or tap out. You went I'm backwards. It. You went let's backwards, go. DC. Corporate Jake. Let's. <laughs> right, it's just like yeah, just like RCDC. Kai Car France headlines this weekend's <laughs> fight night in his first fight back since losing to the champion Brandon Moreno last July. So DC, tap in or tap out. With a win, Car France will get another title shot. I tap out. I tap out because. You know, I think the the fight the fight ended in a way that I didn't have many questions. He didn't have many answers for Brandon Moreno, and I just don't know unless I see something so completely different that would tell me that the fight would play out different. I think he needs to win a few more before he gets right back in the title contention. You know what, DC, and maybe it's because I've never been kicked in the liver or wherever Kai Kyra France <laughs> was, but I tap in, and maybe it's not the next fight. But he was handling himself well to me against Brandon Moreno until that moment yeah. where he takes the body kick and then Moreno jumps on him and pounces on him as he's on the mat. So I tap in that he could put himself back in contention for a title shot. Corporate Jake. Former heavyweight interim champion Surreal Gan is eyeing a return to the octagon later this year and wants top contender Sergey Pavlovich. RC, tap in or tap out on a Gan versus Pavlovich matchup. The only way I tap in on this fight is if Stipe Miocic and John Jones actually happens and actually gets scheduled. Because if it doesn't, I think that Sergey 
Pavlovich should be fighting against John Jones. But if Stipe and John happens for sure, I tap all the way in on this fight because this says 100% that Sergey Pavlovich is ready to roll and he's the number one championship contender or it puts Surreal Gan back in the conversation for at least an opportunity to show that he's created or figured out a way to stop people from wrestling him and getting him to the ground. I, I tap in. RC, I tap in because I feel like very smart of Surreal Gan. Call out the biggest, scariest, most dangerous dude in the division so that you take the short route back to a championship opportunity. I absolutely tap in because I do feel like Jones Miocic is going to be announced. And when it's announced, Sergey Pavlovic needs something. Don't Even do that. DC, DC, I don't said do he that. should wait. DC, I don't said do that. he should wait. Don't do that. I said don't he do should that, wait. DC. I know don't I said that. he should no, wait. I'm not saying RC, that. I know. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Then you go with this. I feel like John Jones, Stipe Miocic is going to be announced. I feel like, and then next week, you're going to be like, hey, Jake, can you play it back from last week when I said that John no, Jones, no, no, Stipe no, no, Miocic no, no, no. may be announced? We know you know, DC. So, world, DC and RC fans, that means the fight's going to be announced soon. DC's always cheating, trying to make himself seem clairvoyant. Go ahead, Corporate Jake. Hi, guys. Speaking of Jones, <laughs> there have been some words exchanged between he and Tyson Fury. Dana White even came out and said he would make the fight happen. So, DC, tap in or tap out on a Fury-Jones crossover fight. What are they doing, though? Like, what are they doing exactly? Are they boxing? Because I'm tapping out. Because John Jones can't beat Tyson Fury <laughs> in a boxing match. It's not even competitive. Hell no. If they're fighting mixed martial arts... Tyson Fury can't go around with John Jones. It's not competitive. So yep. what's the rule set? What are these guys competing under to make me tap into it? I think it's a fairy tale, and it, it'll never happen. So I'm going to tap out because it's not reality. I mean, I might as well, uh, Jake, I might as well just tell the Boston Celtics that I could have helped them last night because that, about, that is about as far-fetched <laughs> as these two dudes finding a rule set under which they can compete under. Listen, um, I tap out, but I would tap in if they got into a pillow fight contest. I think that would be excellent. <laughs> or maybe if they play chess fighting, I'd at least watch the chess part of it. Yeah, no. I tap out on this. I think it's all great conversation, but we're not going to see many, if any boxer make the crossover to me to getting inside the octagon, especially not a high-level boxer with a ton to lose. And when you're talking about a fighter at Tyson Fury's level, it's definitely not going to be a guy like John Jones that makes the crossover to boxing him who isn't just a striker, who isn't necessarily the greatest striker or has the most power. He's more a guy that's understood the mixed Box martial arts game. All right, guys, speaking of boxing. Yeah, Jones has no boxing. Speaking of boxing, former Steeler yeah. Le'Veon Bell and former Bengal Vontez Burfitt have had their battles on the football field. Now, Le'Veon wants to take it to the ring. RC, tap in or tap out on a boxing match between Le'Veon and Vontez. I tap in because the Steelers are going to win. I tap all the way in on this. Le'Veon got hands. Man, Le'Veon ruined my image of Adrian Peterson. Dude could throw. So, yeah, I tap all the way in on this. The little Steelers on Bengals with the gloves. I love it. RC, let me tell you something. 
I don't know who Vontez is, but Vontez better stay his ass away from Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon <laughs> Bell got them things. And look, that dude Vontez better stay away from Le'Veon Bell. Don't let Le'Veon Bell trick you, man. Le'Veon Bell can actually yeah. box. And after I saw what he did to Adrian yes, Peterson, man, leave Le'Veon Bell alone in boxing. All right, guys, last yeah, one. Yeah, I agree. Steve-O took his prank-filled career to the octagon and had Michael Bisman choke him out without any defense. DC, tap in or tap out on being choked out without any defense. No, 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 no. I tap out. You got to defend yourself. Dude, it's the worst thing in the world. When you get choked out, sometimes it makes it worse. But I tell you one thing. When you get choked out, you wake up and you feel like you took the longest, most peaceful nap of your entire life. And you really only be out for a few seconds. <laughs> but it feels like you took a nice slumber. It's crazy. <laughs> RC, hey, RC, one time, one time Kane choked me out. Kane choked me out, dog. I woke up like, man, what are you doing? He was like, dog, you fell asleep. <laughs> I was like, I kind of feel refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> DC, I don't want that type of refreshing. I don't want that sort of refreshment. If I want to feel refreshed, I'm going to drink me some dang lemonade, bro. That's it. I'm drinking lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. RC, hey, man, another great show. My brother. Once again, congratulations on the Sports Emmy. As always, dude, it's fun Thank every you, single Tuesday. I love doing DC and RC, man, and I'm so happy uh, with all your success, dude. Congratulations. Thank you, DC. Guess what I heard, bro? I heard we're doing a show from Vegas at the Expo the week of International Fight Week. So I'm just putting that like out there library? right now. Y'all be ready for DC and RC Coming to Vegas, it might have been private. I might have just told y'all some business I wasn't supposed to. But, hell, y'all are friends. I ain't worried about what corporate Jake and Glenn say anyway. What they going to do, fire me? No. Yeah. Not know that. They definitely ain't firing you now after that sports envy. You can do whatever you want. You want to walk around <laughs> slapping people. You can now start slapping people. Guys, no, not. catch DC no, and not. RC every Tuesday on YouTube. Everywhere you get your podcasts, and now on ESPN2, midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific. Guys, I'm Daniel Cormier. That's Ryan Clark, and we'll catch you on the next one.